You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and the views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KUCI, the Board of uh, California Board of Regents. Welcome to Ask a Leader. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh. Today, we'll check in with two voices of the locally established chapter of the Occupy Wall Street, known as Occupy Orange County. Even as that scene continues to evolve, we'll hear from two sides of that many-sided coin with Marie Molatieri and Aaron Evans. And meanwhile, as would-be Santas at the nation's oldest and most celebrated school in Midland, Michigan, are learning how to help curb expectations, we'll endeavor to curb your enthusiasm for seasonal waste. That's right. Over the second half, we'll be thinking outside the gift box with Susan Carpenter, feature writer with the Los Angeles Times and Garbage Maven. Back on Ask a Leader, we'll talk about how you and I and the rest of them can pare down the waste stream as we head knee-deep or hip-high into the holidays. Hang on to your stash. There's use for it all, I'm guessing. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. a leader. This a particular interview, it's my pleasure to have not one, but two voices for Occupy Orange County. Those two women, veterans now in setting up this special arrangement here in Orange County, are Dimri Molatieri and Aaron Evans. And in the inestimable sort of Occupy LA, Occupy Wall Street Foundation, I would like for both of my guests to introduce themselves so that you can all understand the kinds of backgrounds that are in that are activated and mobilizing in the Occupy Wall Street movement in our very backyard. First I would like for her for Dee Marie Moltieri to introduce herself. Well thank you Claudia. Hi Erin. Um I guess a very short bio is that I come from a very um, strong corporate background. I've had many, many years, more than I care to even imagine, <laughs> as an executive assistant to C-level um, executives. And also I've... Um, I'm sorry. Um, I, when you say C-level, some people are thinking of the um, Oceanic. You're talking about corporate or uh, CEO level? Right. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then I've also been a diversified entrepreneur. I've started many businesses, uh, and uh, I actually coach uh, people who want to start their own businesses. So I was laid off two years ago from being executive assistant uh, due to a corporate merger. And in the last two years, I have been uh, just coaching people in uh, personal and business transformation. Um, and I guess it, to clarify my association with Occupy Orange County, uh, I've been frustrated ever since Citizens United uh, at the direction that our country has been going in, 
And uh, when I saw the Occupy movement uh, in in Wall Street, I was ecstatic because I've said all along, if people only realized that if we banded together, we had the power. And so that's what I saw. And um, I went online looking to see if we had a uh, Occupy movement in Orange County, which we didn't at the time. So I went ahead and I opened up uh, the Facebook page, Occupy Orange County CA, and uh, was instrumental in the original um, organization efforts. Thank you. And I have been supporting ever since. Okay, thank you very much. Erin Evans, please introduce yourself to our listening audience. Okay, hi. So um, I've been a uh, grassroots activist uh, for about 18 years. Um, I've worked on several issues, including animal rights, uh, LGBT rights, um, as well as AIDS advocacy. Um, I consider myself a radical, um, and right now I'm a graduate student in sociology. I study social movements and the media and cultural change. Um, and I'm actually, uh, you know, as far as my affiliation with Occupy Orange County, I mean, I, I attended the first um, the first rally. I also have been donating and such. But for the most part, um, I started getting involved on campus. So um, there's Refund California, which is seeking to, to form a coalition between activism against student hikes in the UC system and the CSU system. Um, establish a coalition between between that activism and the Occupy movement because the two issues are very connected. So I became uh, interested in Occupy because in their list of grievances, I'm sure everyone remembers that they had a list of grievances that that embraced a lot of different issues. So um, I got involved uh, because of their statement about about um, animal cruelty and animal rights, and that kind of snowballed into into my um, my involvement on campus. So I'd like to, uh, among many, many things to cover this morning, is to talk about both of your your short-term and your long-term concerns and priorities are. Would you like to start with that, Marie? Well, um, short-term, I believe, um, was the awareness and the education. Um, not too many people, and, and, and the more I'm involved in the Occupy movement, the more it becomes... It shouts out to me that how few people really, really realize what is going on in this country, and so the uh, the occupies did a great job, and they're still doing a great job, in drawing people's attention away from their everyday, you know, going to work, shopping, and what's going on with the latest Hollywood celebrity, and it's making them say, well, what what's going on? Why are these people out here freezing, you know, in the middle of the night in these tents? What's it all about? And so we're actually engaging people for the first time. As a matter of fact, this is my first attempt at activism. I mean, Erin, I hear is that right? Years. Yeah. And Erin's a veteran. Exactly. So it's really kind of cool to have both spectrums on here. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, this is the first time I've been moved to do something. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of other people. This is I am pretty representative of what we're seeing in the Occupy movement. So short-term is the awareness and the education. And uh, long-term the, is actually change, you know. Structural. Okay, Erin, what you'd like to answer? The sh- what are your short-term uh, concerns, um, goals, as well as the long-term? So we can sort of break them down. We'll get to revisit all the specific pieces here in a bit. Um, I think short term, mainly what I'm what I'm hoping for is to have a 
established coalition between Occupy and these different issues? Because there are a lot of activists out there working on a lot of different issues. But I think what people don't understand, or what the activists don't even understand, what I didn't understand until recently, is that a lot of those issues are connected to um, problems with capitalism, problems with corporate dominance of uh, mm -hmm. the government. And I think if people start working on the fact that corporate control is absolutely pervasive in the states, um, that that, you know, just even in the short term, changing that discourse so that, so that people are paying more attention to the way that corporations control politics, the way that corporations control um, the ideological apparatus in, in the states, mass media and otherwise. Um, I think if we can change discourse, which we actually already have, I think the short term goal has a, at least partially been met where we've adjusted discourse both in politics and in the media and between each other where people are talking about the movement, they're talking about the problem of corporate dominance. And I think that's that's a really important short term goal that the that the movement has already accomplished. Also, um, as far as as um, short-term goals kind of eliminate or illuminating the, the the problems that exist in society that people ignore so you know police brutality police brutality has has existed uh for a long time it's been a problem for a long time mainly in communities of color but i think right now what people are seeing is that because we have um you know basically white students and such getting beaten by police all of a sudden that's an important issue but i think that's that's good it's good because it's eliminating it's 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 showing people that this has been a problem for a long time. Um, so again, kind of adjusting discourse so that people uh, at least can acknowledge the problem. You know, part of what activists do is just trying to, uh, you know, set an agenda, trying to put issues on on the agenda in society. And I think this movement has, has done that already. That's great. Um, I, I I think this discourse, it's it, I'm seeing it percolating, and I'm seeing it in financial and um, sort of uh, story, anecdotal kinds of settings that I think we're all of us collecting them. And so um, I think that's very important. Um, and I uh, I want it in terms of what Marie first brought up, and I want to um, sort of direct us to is when you were talking about Citizens United and Aaron is talking about the larger corporate structure, what can the two of you tell me that uh, will uh, reassure me that the Citizens United doesn't take all the big prizes uh, walk away out of the room and leave us behind. Um, do you want me to go first? That's, <laughs> yes, Demery, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, well, basically, I think Erin hit the nail on the head, and when she said basically that there are a lot of injustices going on. However, until we get to where we can claim our government back out of the control of the corporations, our vote really is worthless. There's nothing we can do. We can protest all day long. We can, we can vote. But as long as our Congress is being bought through corporate monies, um, nothing is really going to change. And, and, and that was, a, the, I believe, the first day when, when I got a chance to speak. This is what I kept reminding people. There's a lot of things that, that we want to see change, but it boils down to getting corporate money out of politics. And, you know, Citizen United, the restoration of the Glass-Steagall Act, these are things that are going to be necessary to, to get our economy back uh, where, where we can get Americans back to work and then our vote actually has weight. But what is really important for people to understand, it's not corporations that is the problem. It's what corporations are doing with their power and with their money. It's really a story of ethics. 
so that's that's my uh, my take on that. Yeah, I I totally I I definitely I'm I totally agree about getting corporate corporate power out of out of politics and um and I think it's you know I I tend to think that just the issue of of corporations being persons like corporate personhood is a problem. And I think most of the reason why corporations have such political clout is because they're considered people. It's it's mm-hmm. absolutely insane that corporations are considered people. Um, it, it, I, I think I think if if this movement can somehow address that and, and granted it was that was established through case law, which is much more difficult to address um, in, in American politics. But I think if if they do that over time and somehow address the fact that corporations are considered people, which lets them get away with, you know, bankruptcy with, with there's no there's no accountability for uh, for the actions that they take, for the destruction of the, the environment that they cause for. Um, for uh, you know, d- d- cruelty to animals, to cruelty to, to to people, all these all these atrocities that corporations commit. There's no accountability because corporations are considered people instead of the people inside the corporations being people. Um, I think if that were if that were somehow changed through this movement, that would help resolve the issue of of corporate power in politics. Well, I I just wanted to bring everybody up to a little date. I, I heard a business development with the City Core. There was an uh, a settlement today uh, with a um, a potentially fraudulent uh, culpability on their part but it was a settlement and there's a it's a very complicated start to uh, a conclusion to that case where uh, there there was no culpability in uh, expressed by Citicorp when uh, the SEC was litigating uh, that fraudulent activity so uh, without that culpability then the the investors are not protected in in that particular out-of-court settlement. So uh, we're we're dealing with some major pieces. Uh, I mean, there's SEC could not settle. Uh, they were interested in settling because they had a, a limited enough amount of resources to litigate Citicorp. But the but the judge was straddled at the horns of a dilemma of how he was going to protect investors now and in the future. So when we're talking about this corporate structure. Uh, there's all manner of pieces to this large financial puzzle that we citizens have a great deal to have to grasp and not just learn, but how we can activate and, and uh, address the, you know, the paucity of resources to go after where all these resources keep concentrating for that conduct to continue. So I, I just want to mention I heard that uh, on the way into setting up the interview here. So um so it's it's daunting. I want to remind for those uh, who just joined us, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM. My two guests in this part of the show are Dee Marie Molatieri and Aaron Evans. Um, Dee Marie is, uh, is a new activist on the scene and Aaron Evans, a veteran activist and a Ph.D. candidate here at UCI. So we're talking about short and long term goals here. Um, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to talk with Aaron in the course of our discussion here. Um, Dean Marie's already talked about uh, the difficulty in making our electoral power have enough of a punch. I, but we have to address the fact, though, at UCI, we're seeing a number of students disengage from the electoral process. Are you, Aaron, um, engaging in the dialogue with the, the Occupy Orange County student uh, element here? Are you able to engage in, with them? The need for them to become uh, politically, electorally involved. Well, I think I think what Dee Marie said before was really spot on. As far as the reason why students aren't aren't voting, the reason why students aren't aren't 
involved in electoral politics is because, and I think this is pretty widespread in the states, because people don't feel effective. People have no sense of, of efficacy in their vote because their vote doesn't have much much efficacy. On a local level, on a local level, it definitely does. And I think if we can gear those votes towards the right direction. So for instance, uh, today there was a UC Regents meeting that they ended up doing uh, through telecom to a, a teleconference. And the UC Regents are not voted in. They are appointed. And that's a problem because most of the UC Regents have conflict of interest. Most of them are on, um, you know, uh, uh, shareholders for for corporations. They have major corporate interests, and the fact that but they're they appointed are they're appointed by though our the governor. So there is there is some water carrying here when we're considering the the what the voter, whom the voter puts in office, and then who whom that office holder is in a position to appoint. So yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what I meant about people. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of uh, focusing, focusing what they're doing on, uh, focusing their vote on one, on one area. So, for instance, like you said, if the if the governor appoints the, the governor appoints the UC Regents. So, if we uh, at the next uh, electoral campaign, if people if people go to the governor and kind of lobby for this interest and get students across the state to. Uh, to say that they'll vote for a governor who will have our interests at heart, maybe that could change something. Or I think what's better is what's on the table right now for the UC Regents to be elected. The UC Regents should be elected by the students. They're supposed to be representing the students. They're supposed to be up there advocating for us. We should be the ones to to elect them. And still, we have to get students on board because um, if we want them to be elected, we want the students to elect um, the people that are going to that are going to advocate for their interests without without um, without their own agenda involved. So there's only there's one student that is serving on the board of regents that represents the students. I mean there I mean there is one student that's appointed. Right now, uh, by what I understand, any kind of student representation that's on the board is pretty much in in voice, and that's by what I understand. And granted, my my knowledge of the UC Regents is is limited to, to about the the last month or so. But by what I understand, the student um, the student presence on the UC Regents is pretty much in in voice only. So, like for instance, they have a a public comment uh, portion of their their meetings where students can go up and voice their concerns. But that's pretty much analogous to to a lot of city council meetings and such where you go up there you talk to the uh, to the to the authority figures but really the only thing that 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 matters is the vote when you tell you know it's survival like what most politicians care about most what all elected politicians care about is survival survival of their position and how they do that is by ensuring that they have an electoral basis well I just want to say though in terms of our assembly representation here in this part of Irvine that's being this part of Orange County we have a huge voting block on the campus. We could be sending somebody of the in the image of a UCI student if we had more students turning out to vote. It, this last electoral, the uh, Don Wagner, whom I don't think the students have any idea about him, he was, I, I, I wish I had prepared this part. The, uh, the margin is small, though, and enough, we have what, uh, only about 20-some thousand students. We could definitely have... In the image of the campuses, I just already said, I won't have to repeat this, uh, you know, uh, be representing this UC as well as, I mean, I'm sure other assembly districts um, where the campuses are located. So it's not a trifling number. And I, if the students were aware of that, I think that would be uh, bringing on some uh, a new flavor of politics. Well, I'm wondering if, if the problem, though, is the system. 
if the problem is, you know, if you, it's kind of the same thing with, with America, with federal politics, where you vote somebody into an office, but unfortunately that office is surrounded by a lot of structures and a lot of, of constraints and such. And a lot of those constraints um, involve uh, court in, involve interest in the market and such. So I'm definitely on. I mean, whatever work. I'm 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 definitely a multi-tactic uh, person. I think by what I've studied of social movements, the social movements that are the most successful are those successful are those that use the most the most tactics that they can. Broad tactics, many different tactics. Um, so I think electoral politics is important, but I think also acknowledging that there needs to be structural change as well. There needs to be a yeah. change as, like that as well. Yes, Demarie, you know, go ahead. Yeah, um, Aaron brought, again brings out a very good point, and 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 that is that there are systems in place that we need to revisit. And uh, you know, I think about my dad and my sister. My sister got my eighty-something-year-old dad out to vote Obama into office. Okay, he hadn't been out in in years. But they were so, they, they really thought that this was going to be an ushering in of change. And uh, yesterday, uh, my sister talked to me, because I'm going to visit them, and she said, just don't talk about Occupy when you come. Hmm. And, and that's indicative, is that they've lost faith in the system. Uh, because naturally, you know, it, it, the administration has not brought about the changes that, uh, for whatever reasons, um, that um, they were expecting. And so, and I think that encapsulates the general malaise of the people across the board. Demarie, I would like for you to unpackage a bit more. They were your relatives are disillusioned with Occupy or disillusioned with the administration or they're disillusioned with the system. In other words, they thought the system was designed to make make change that that the uh, new administration coming in would be able to. Well, you know what? I haven't agreed with everything that uh, President Obama has done, but on the things that I did agree with, such as the American Job Act, I, he just I watched that. And and he was just, you know, basically um, stonewalled mm -hmm. before he even finished his speech mm -hmm. by the Republicans. Now, I'm an independent, so, you know, I vote issues, not parties. And what I saw there was absolutely disgusting mm -hmm. because it's all about the good old boy, you know, in, 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 and uh, who's going to wash, you know, rub each other's backs. And so when Aaron says that, that the regent's position is appointed by the governor, really? Why isn't that an elected position? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I totally agree about about. I mean, you saw you saw Obama trying to trying to abide by by his platform that he had before, but he couldn't, and that's because of these right. structural constraints. It's because of survival of the office. In order to be reelected, he's got to do this kind of bipartisan, kind of middle of the road um, stance, and it doesn't work for change. That that works for the status quo, and I think that's what. That's, I think that's the real power behind behind the Occupy movement. I think the Occupy movement and changing discourse in Congress by changing discourse in, ma in, in mass media, I think they are they are they are 
laying the ground, like laying, laying the roadwork for there to be real structural change. And I think an, an integral part of that is, is corporate power and all that. I think part of what um, empowers the Republican Party is, is, is uh, money, is money from the, the, the corporate, the corporate, you know, the corporate world. And unfortunately, it's the same with the Democrats. But I think at the same time, um, you know, you, you, you have their, their, you just, you have to, be, you have to believe that something can change. You just, you, you have to, otherwise people get, people get stuck in doing nothing. And I think that's where we've been at for a long time with people doing nothing and people complaining a lot. Okay. I, I would like, um, for both of you to give our listeners some, some, th- something to chew on, some takeaway messages. I know, Demer, you have a list of 10 points that you're, you've adopted from uh, various other well-known activists around. You also have a, a, a position, a, a, a package deal to move on to once the Occupy disseminates. It's, I mean, it's an inevitable situation, and we don't know what's going to happen day to day with uh, the model city um, uh, arrangements uh, around the country and around the world, but mostly around the country. But I'd, I'd like for you to talk a bit about your list, uh, Marie, and I'd like for Erin to you know, answer back on those, let her talk directly. And I just before I go further than that, though, I want to remind listeners we're talking on Ask a Leader this day at, with Marie Molatieri and Erin Evans, both of them involved in the Occupy Orange County I want to say movement. It's a process. It's a, there's a lot of things, lots of labels that that don't u- that we don't use anymore that are, don't aren't adequate to uh, cover this. So let's let's talk about the points that you want so that listeners can tack on to some of those things as some tangible pieces. Because when we talk about this unwieldy corporate kind of uh, structural uh, um, behemoth, we're we don't want to lose people in their. Uh, answering the call here that you two have been answering and uh, we would like uh, for you to um, lay out where they can envision you heading because people are expecting a dissemination um, an atomization of the occupation movement we want to know what where people can take it from here so Marie, why don't you start with some of those points and we want to make sure you have a chance to tell listeners what you envision happening after uh, um, this step Okay. Well, basically, um, you know, I, I, again, this is my personal feelings on this because as far as I know that um, Occupy Wall Street has not yet come out with their official there, yeah, <laughs> their there official is, list. There won't ever be one. So right, everybody yeah. knows that they're speaking on their own. Right. So I, I think the most important thing is to reinstate the Glass-Steagall Act. Uh, which would put serious regulation on how business is conducted by Wall Street and the banks. I mean, basically, the the financial crash happened because we had the banks uh, using depositor money for speculation. And, um, you know, that would not have happened had Glass-Steagall been um, in place. Uh, Also, the crash of 2008 needs to be investigated. And the people who perpetuated that, needs, they need to be, um, you know, uh, justice needs to be brought forward um, so that we don't repeat this again. In other words, until we do the investigation, this can happen again and again. Um, also, again, some, some way of stripping corporations of their personhood uh, and thereby allowing the um, the voter to have more power again, 
Um, I personally would like to see, um, we need to look at the system and in terms of um, campaigns, uh, you know, the funding for campaigns, get, getting, um, you know, corporate money out of the funding of campaigns. Uh, there, there's different ways that can be set up. And again, I think, you know, there's think tanks, all, think tanks around the country that are now looking at this thanks to the Occupy movement of ways to make this a more fair and just system. So, I mean, there's, a, there's just, there's like nine more things that can be done. I mean, um, but th- those are the two most important things as far as I'm concerned is, is definitely getting the uh, Glass-Steagall back and uh, stripping the corporations of the personhood. Yes, Aaron, go ahead. Um, so, so as far as short-term goals, I, I number one, um, refunding public education. So, the UC system, the CSU c- system, needs to go back to being a source of free education for our citizens. Because until we have people who are educated about the system, who are educated and feel empowered, um, we can't we can't resist a lot of the corporate dominance that ha- that's happening. We can't have um, an effective democracy that's not a democracy having an un- uneducated um, public. Um, on a broader basis, um, although I, I definitely agree about the the Glass Steagall Act, I think all that is is really important. Um, but I think I think on a on a more um, on a on a more inherent level, I think what this crisis in 2008 illuminates is a reproduction of the same problem in capitalism. And I think one thing that needs to happen is that workers need to regain control of their own labor. So we see in in, in Argentina there is a movement to um, to to reclaim factories, to take back factories. Um, where you had workers who who took over uh, factories that had been outsourced, factories that had been taken out of the country um, after uh, Menem invoked these neoliberal policies and such, very similar to what the states have done. Um, and I think I think if in the states, if we do something like that's happening on December 12th with the Occupy movement, where they're taking over the ports, um, they're looking towards occupying the port of Los La- Long Beach, the port of uh, San Diego, and the Oakland port, I think that's something that would be very effective, Ocu- basically disrupting um, the capitalist uh, means of making profit. What about though the the electoral outcome in Ohio, with at least working patching back the the uh, leverage that labor has in this last election cycle? That wouldn't that be a, a it's a, a constructive way to put in the mainstream some real tangible political gain for uh, the whole uh, American Democratic project to take note of. Definitely. I think I think as far as electorally, a lot of the anti-union uh, policies that are still in act, like the Taft-Hartley Act, is one of the most destructive, um, one of the most destructive acts that have that that has been invoked in this country. It's still in place. Um, there have been a lot of policies that are directly anti-union. Um, if we can uh, electorally. Uh, if we can gear towards uh, removing some of these anti-union policies, um, empower the unions, take them out of government so that you don't have co-opted unions like the AFL, um, I think that would be very effective for for, uh, helping workers reclaim their own labor. You know, one of the suggestions um, that was given in regards to this change was for corporations that have more than 10,000 employees to restructure their board of directors so that 50% of its members are elected by the company's workers. Uh, I think that's a great where's suggestion. The, Marie, where's that model? Uh, that is actually one of the uh, 10 things as a proposal 
to the Occupy Wall Street that I sent you. Uh, right. Is there a model, though, that w we can draw on where that how that works, a, a template for that, or is it um, is it that you know I haven't an researched experiment. it any further, but um, hey, you know it sounds good to me, and I would sure like to find a model where it is being implemented. Okay, well that's what we can draw from. I, I we're we're drawing to a close, but I, um, I wanted you to both have a chance to talk a little bit about how the Orange County Occupy uh, movement has how it distinguishes itself from the other movements and. Uh, how people can uh, find out how to reach you? Well, Occupy Orange County um, uh, has got its own website. Uh, it's uh, www.occupy-oc.org. Um, if they wish to write me directly, they can uh, at that website address at info at occupy-oc.org. Um, we, we were... We are a successful um, encampment because we have worked within the system. Uh, right from the get-go, um, we worked with the city council. It took us some time. It took us 11 days of, you know, basically walking the sidewalks at night before we got to be heard. But um, the city council in Irvine has, has been um, very cooperative. And, you know, we're now on our, our third, second week. They, they keep giving us uh, time in two-week allotments. And, 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 and it has worked, you know. And the other thing is that the way that we even got there was done differently from the other occupies. It was done in a little bit more organized and systematic fashion. And, and some of our rowdy activists, Aaron, hate that that's how it was accomplished. But you know what? That's how it was accomplished. <laughs> Aaron, you can add. Well, well, I want you. To, I want to let you finish, but I, I, I think uh, uh, for me, I'm, 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 I'm still, I'm, I am a radical, and I, I do believe that, that because protest is institutionalized in this country from the get-go, that a lot of times um, holding signs um, can be mostly symbolic. But I think it's all important. I think it is. It's, it's all important. What, what matters is that people are acting on what they believe in, instead of just complaining and sitting at home and complaining what, about what's happening. People are out and doing something. And right. I, I want to say when I I, I uh, stopped in on one of those days, I had had to be register my concerns and uh, observe and and activate too. And um, I I remember it was it was a different demographic. We were going to get a chance to talk about that. It's a it's the broader demographic that I've ever seen in any of the grassroots turnouts in Orange County over the last twenty years of my experience here. And then I um and I was interested in a, one new activist wanting to know. How disillusion is it disillusioning to turn out to a a, a, a an activist um, uh, event and that kind of thing? They were asking really interesting and new questions with new colors on their faces, new new backgrounds, new age groups, and that kind of a thing. And so I I thought that's that's a good sign. More and more people were engaged. Now I don't know that they're coming. And I also wanted to find out when we're talking about the specialness. Now th there are signs posted through uh, around that intersection where the uh, Occupy Irvine is located outside of the city hall, where it says not to honk. We understand that the neighbors have had their fill of the honking, but then the, there was a discourse in the Sunday paper, uh, the Sunday L.A. Times uh, local supplement about perhaps. The, there are uh, people uh, who are perturbed by the Occupy movement who are trying to undermine the movement by honking and misrepresent uh, the mm -hmm. civility of the movement. Are you getting that feeling that there's some undermining going on, either one of you? 
Um, well, you know, you're always we, – we're never going to get everybody to agree 100% on anything. And um, and there will be those that want to see the movement um, fail. Um, however, I, I have to say for the most part, I think the support has been strong for the Occupy movement in Orange County, much more than what people thought was that there was going to be. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Go ahead. As far go ahead, Aaron. As, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Dean Marie. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I no, I, I, I I agree with you that I I don't think it's um I don't think it's so much maybe hopefully it's not so much undermining as much as it, as it is um different di- you know different groups who disagree tactically doing their own thing like if you don't agree with the tactic that's happening at occupy irvine then go ahead and do your own thing so there's there's effects that like the radical flank has on the moderate flank where it can be you know legitimizing to the moderates to have you know the radicals out you know doing more subversive things and whatnot it can act as like a legitimizing thing for for the moderates and makes it makes it easier for for um for you all to deal with 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 um with the city council and whatnot so i'm hoping that the people who don't agree with the tactics that that you're using that hopefully they're just they're 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 forming their own contingent and doing their own thing without trying to um without trying to undermine what what you guys are trying to do as well yeah and and you bring out a good point there and and that is actually something that um we have been working with over the course of the past couple of weeks is that there there is uh and and they are the ones that are out there in the tents because they are young and they can withstand the cold and they really want to be very spontaneous and not be uh confined at all or i not confined but they don't want to be organized is the word and they want to just wake up that morning decide what they want to do and i understand that there is a place for that and uh and we're trying to um make that work but on the other hand as as you said we have a very strong um, contingency of people who are over 34 years old who have lives who do go to work and they do need to plan for activist uh, initiatives and so we're we're actually doing something that will enable them to be part of the process as well so i think over the next couple of weeks you're going to see um, more activism going on in orange county You'll be seeing more radical, whatever, you know, from, the, from those that are in the position to do that. And you're going to see more coming from uh, the more, um, you know, uh, established uh, people who do have schedules. And, uh, and I think I told Claudia that we've actually organized into a group. And it's called 99% American Occupiers for Change. Good. I'm glad you got a chance to say that before we wrap up here shortly. Yeah. So uh, you're going to be seeing more of that come on. We are on Facebook. and um, Under that name, DeMarie, 99% Occupiers for Change. Is that what we look up? 99% American Occupiers for Change. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so we're on there, and we're gonna, you're going to start seeing us working with all the other groups, uh, you know, Move On, um, DFA, PDA. We're going to actually get get uh, huge initiatives going so that we can actually get this change taken place. I know Aaron has some things to add. And, and how many Tea Party people have stopped by to say they really want in and they, they want to know what they can do? <laughs> any? 
<laughs> I thought they were dissatisfied with the status quo, too. <laughs> so for Refund California, for the student activism happening on, at UC Irvine, on Facebook, look up Take Back UCI. There's also Occupy UCI. That's both on uh, Facebook. To look up more about Refund California, look up www.teachthebudget.com. Um, and uh, look for more actions at, at UC Irvine as well, as well as across the, across the state at all the UCs and uh, CSUs. And is there anything, do the, the occupiers, do they welcome things that people can uh, drop off for them to sustain them like they are we here at Zuccotti Park? Is it the same thing here? Well, right now, the Like my lasagna I could drop off? <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> um, so actually what? Health, we, we do have health codes. Uh, and so the food issue is at this point, um, everything needs to be in individual servings uh, because we are not set up uh, to be able to do things buffet style. So um, with that being said, if you know somebody out there personally in a tent that you just want to drop off and they want to share with others, that's their business. Okay. But we can't, we can't okay. serve, from, serve from a communal tent. They do need uh, blankets and, uh, I mean, plenty of blankets. It is so cold out there, and they have no means of heat. No. So mittens, socks, air, you know, uh, hats, uh, things like that to stay warm. Um, it, 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 oh, and lanterns. They just seem to go through lanterns like okay. crazy. So well, things like it. that, yeah. Well, I, uh, I, we really need to finish. I don't know if there's one thing you want to capsule. I want to uh, just... Uh, mentioned that um, the multi-tactic move, uh, aspect that that Aaron Evans brought up is, uh, I think it's an important thing to consider and keeping keeping that in mind. And that's setting up the interim plan for the American uh, 99% American occupiers for change. Setting up all those different Facebooks and that kind of thing. We'll put those on the podcast for everybody. De Marie Mol- Molatieri and Aaron Evans. I want to thank both of you so much for being on the show today and posting us. And I hope. We'll have a chance. We three, we can get together another time and post uh, Americana here in Orange County and beyond what's going on with the movement. Thank you so much. Love that. Thank you very much. Against the ones who've trapped us in a cage To steal from us the value of our wage Just wanted to post everybody. Um, As far as the California Board of Regents appointments, 18 regents are appointed by the governor for 12-year terms. One um, is a student appointed by the regents, and that's a one-year term. Seven are ex-officio members, the governor, lieutenant governor, speaker of the assembly, superintendent of public instruction, president and vice president alumni association of UCI, and the UC president. We'll be back in a bit. We'll occupy the offices of you till you do. The bidding of the many, not the few. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My next guest is Susan Carpenter, feature writer with the Los Angeles Times and regularly weighing in as the garbage maven. (laughs) And that is she finds out what we can and cannot toss into the recycle bin in the municipalities throughout Los Angeles and Orange Counties. And nicely done, Susan, with your two recent book reviews on your L.A. Times blog in the home section. Looks good. The Future of Us and the Legend uh, in your Not Just for Kids uh, part uh, column of the blog. Today, as we head into the season of shopping, shipping, wrapping, and goodness knows receiving, it's a good time to consider the waste stream that we are generating. 
You know the scene on particular days late in December where everyone's bins are brimming full with stuff. Stuff headed for the landfill or maybe the recycling center. Susan Carpenter will help us think outside the gift box and possibly set us up with some new patterns of consumers. And welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. That is a tall order. Well, but the bins are so tall. It's, I mean, I'm so, I mean, you know the look. Every, all the listeners know the look. On, you know, they wander out in the morning and everybody's bins are just full. So let's, mm-hmm. we can go sort of back and forth. I have a few ideas up my sleeves. They're so wholesome and so earnest. It'll make everybody hang up on me today, but hopefully not. But um, we could start, Susan, with some of your favorite ways to manage these holidays where every purchase is fraught with landfill consequences. Yeah, well, I'm struggling with it myself because I'm a mother of an eight-year-old who just wants to be like everybody else. So in terms of how I'm going to, I'm going to be giving him very traditional gifts and I'm kind of struggling with how to gift wrap them in a way that um, doesn't seem too weird. Um, lately, something that I've been experimenting with is we do occasionally buy junk food, and those bags are not recyclable. So I've just been washing them out, snipping off the ends, cutting them along the side, and I'm going to reverse them because it has a silver side. Right. I'm going to be using that as gift wrap. Um, I'm going to be experimenting with that. I haven't actually done it yet. And I'm one of these people that always kind of hoards all the gift bags that I receive. I've got so those too. Those. Yes. Yeah. My concern with using those gift bags is people think I bought them. That I keep them in such great <laughs> shape, but I yeah, I I hoard those too. I just saw them yesterday. Fall they're hiding other things I need to get to. Yeah, I mean the problem with gift bags is you give you sort of have to strategically give them to people who you know will pass them along. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. Yeah. Well, I want to suggest something now when you're talking about wrapping. This can yeah. be the back and forth. I Susan Carpenter knows her deal because she's pared down all of her newspaper use, a journalist that she is. So I will never hold a candle, but I'm going to try to, though, again, match. Now, we all get the various kinds of leaflets, brochures, magazines, and all that, and those can pack a lot of gifts. I've, you know, managed to get, I mean, you can wrap a CD or some other things with, um, you know, some of those lovely, glossy promotional things that come in the mail. And I've even, I've put them on some, you know, basic paper, covered the basic paper with that. Or, uh, so there's, uh, those kinds of things can go a long way. Uh, or, you know, or fa- like you said, not just the the wrappers from that occasional trip to the fast food place, but the um, maybe the fancy paper bags that we, you know, we end up with um, when we... Uh, let's say when somebody else brings them to us, we can just take those take those sort of uh, shopping bags and wrap, turn them into a wrapping paper. Yeah, or if you're giving clothes, you might want to consider using the clothing item itself. Exactly. Another or other gift. any dry good a a, a, tea, a tea towel or a, right. a tea. There's some very fancy kind of reusable wash rags that uh, certainly could uh, wrap something up. And so, yeah. and I want to. Yeah, I wanted to. Yes. Mention something. As long as you're talking about all this junk mail that you're considering repurposing as gift wrap, right? Um, or paper inserts. Some of those glossy things that come from the malls. Yeah, and people who don't want those glossy inserts anymore. I'm actually there's a piece that's going to be running in the Saturday's home section. It's sort of um, the garbage maven's ideas for giving the gift of less. And one of the items that I'm including is something called a mail stop envelope. 
And so people who get all this junk mail and who don't want it, whether it's, you know, those those printed glossy cardboard things that you get from a million different places or catalogs or other types of junk mail, you can just stuff it into this one envelope and send it back to a place called Catalog Choice, and they'll process all the stop requests for you. And um, just that one piece of mail stuffed with 15 pieces of junk mail for two years could save a tree's worth of junk mail. Catalog Choice. Do we have... Susan, do we have... Org. Okay, good. They'll tell us. Yeah. So that's, uh, this is sort of tangential to what you were talking about. No, it's spot on. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm I'm sort of uh, advocating, I guess I could say. So those are, you're talking about the laminated and the glossy, any kind of, uh, any yeah. kind of stock. Okay, yeah. that's good. I'm sorry. It sounds like we're having a, a, a delay like on a cell phone. So um, also, I think for the people who still hang, I hoard also besides those gift bags, calendars. And those mm-hmm. calendars can make, some of them might be wrapping paper. That means some of it, there's there's varying stocks that uh, are used for calendars, the outer and the inner. So there's mm-hmm. wrapping paper potential there. I also have learned to fold boxes origami boxes of different sizes with square or rectangular shapes of, of papers, and that includes calendars. And you can make not only a box, but you can make a lid with a smaller size box and um, uh, with those kinds of papers. And they're, they're lovely for bringing to as a hostess gift or wrapping or mailing or whatever. Um, I want people to consider that they still have calendars or hang on to this year's calendar and you can use it next year. Yeah, that's a terrific idea. So and they're very it's such sturdy stock it's 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 amazing and it's you know they they go all out in their graphics to make calendars. <laughs> well, so what's true. what are some more Susan and uh, we'll be sure to include the catalogchoice.org and the web or the podcast for the show. But you have more and we'll I have more to match you. More ideas for giving the gift of less. More wrapping ideas. Anything. More I well I mean the well, concept of wrapping. Or? Well, uh, the concept of wrapping. What or what were you using? Well, you know, one thing that I'm sort of concerned about, and this pertains to the city of L.A. and I'm not really sure about Irvine, but um, tape that most people use, cellophane tape, is not supposed to go in the recycling bin because it can complicate the sorting equipment because it's not water-soluble. And I really doubt that most people who are giving um, gifts that are wrapped in traditional paper or receive them, bother to rip the tape off before they put them in the recycling bin. So that's a, that's an issue that I would like more people to be aware of. Good. I'm glad you're saying um, that. I'm not sure if other cities have the same issues that, that Los Angeles says, but that is something to um, to be aware of. Uh, I don't know. The, the gift wrap issue is just really, really complicated because you can give alternative wrapped presents to people who get you, understand where you're coming from, and then there's this other level of people who might think it's a little too kooky. <laughs> but they they can so learn. They can so- trying to, but, but what you're bringing up, the, the idea of repurposing calendars, things that look pretty, um, it can is, do it. is a good way to go. And also, I've, uh, I'm insufferable in what I'm uh, maintaining here, hoarding, is uh, there are school supplies out there, folks, Susan, that uh, take that wire-bound off of the, uh, the wire-bound notebook, and you can, you know, take the kiddos' notes you want to keep store for life or, or recycle those papers. But that wire bound makes the best looking wrap decoration. Just put that in I with the ribbon. I love that idea. It is so cool. It's already coiled. It look, it's shiny. It's, uh, you know, and you know, who can, who can 
talk down that one. So uh, that's uh, that. And then I or you can use you can use yard um, trimmings. You can use uh, spices, herbs, and sprigs of anything, and you can put that in there, and it will certainly. Uh, it might even take people's mind off of what kind of paper you used or how many times right. you've used that paper. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I I have sure. another one, Susan. I want to see that nobody throws their paraffin out anymore, and so for the candles that. That are the wicks are done, but there's a lot of wax left over. I want them to set that wax aside. They can get a, a, a wick supply from some kind of hobby store, that the few that are remaining, and they can melt that wax down and put that wick over any kind of container that can hold a candle, so to speak. And they they've got candles for the next year. You're bringing up a product that I saw advertised on Cartoon Network that I um, am really happy exists. It's not made for this purpose at all, but it's a uh, Crayola machine that makes new crayons. Ah. It's meant to, like, mix them and swirl them so kids can draw with a crayon. It'll be multiple colors at once. But I was thinking, that's great. It sort of solves the problem that all parents end up with, which is having hundreds and hundreds of uh, nubby little crayons that your kids no longer use because they don't look new. But they can, they can burn them. You could melt them down and make new crayons. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very custom. So um, that, that so and we're all we're all trying. I mean, you may burn a candle or two, garbage maven. Correct. Occasionally, it's it's more like a, a dinner time thing if I have a company, but that's not really that uh, often. Okay. Okay. So. But I get you. I know where you're coming from. There's a lot of paraffin out there, though, and so that's and I set that aside. How about we're talking? Uh, well, um, you can also, that wrapping paper that remains, that also can be, lots of it's in terrific shape, and that can also be used as origami paper and folded in all sorts of ways. So it can be repurposed after, instead of just crumbling it up and throwing it in the recycle bin with paper, the, the tape pulled off. Yeah, and I would say the same thing about with online shopping sort of going through the roof this year. Save all of that packing material. All of that. If you have a place to keep it. Right. Because a lot of the stuff that comes in those packages, whether, you know, it's the cardboard boxes, you've got most often styrofoam peanuts or um, the bubble wrap packaging, which only in some cities is recyclable. In Los Angeles, it is not. Um, If you can save all that stuff and reuse it when you ship things out yourself. And think about though when you are ordering, I, I want for people to consider some of their some local shopping. I know there's a convenience associated with the online purchasing, but it does generate a heck of a lot of material. And that some and the store bought things generate all those extra metal twisty deals. I don't know what they're called, but there's a name for them. And that uh, extra plastic wrapping for display and theft proofing and that kind of a thing. It's just if anything that folks could bake themselves or make along the way in the gift giving that uh, doing it at home or buying it locally, you're able to pare down a whole lot of waste. For sure. I I think where this discussion ultimately leads is just to question your own consumption patterns. Yes. And think twice about whether you need it and whether you could potentially buy it um, used. Exactly. And re- mm-hmm. and re- repurposing what, you know, something used may not be a garment again. It might be something, as we were talking about, wrapping or something you can craft or something like that. And I also, I was thinking along those lines, instead of buying in quantity just because it's cheap, just buying what you need. Right. 
exactly. Or if you know that you are going to need it, then it makes sense to buy it in bulk because you're cutting down on packaging that way. If you're going to need it. Or making fewer trips. Right. So both of these things can ultimately lead to less waste. Exactly. And I I was going to mention that I have a friend who uh, takes the gift cards, and he's able to make guitar picks out of those. But I'm I'm hoping the Garbage Maven is going to talk at some point uh, in the L.A. Times uh, column uh, in the home section about what are we going to do with that huge layer of gift cards in the the landfill? Because they're not oh, breaking I down. Oh, I already addressed that. Oh, oh, oh. I... <gasps> I better check it out again. I must have missed that article. Okay. Um, how many months back? Hang on. Hang on. Do you want me to search? I mean, I don't well, know I don't, you have left, Well, we'll take a look I at that. search for it quickly. Okay. Uh, we'll, I'll talk with you while we're doing this. That uh, As we're saying, when we're anything, folks, that you can pare down is on the, the, the waste end, the, the landfill end, know that you're paring down on the production end, which is also a large part of the carbon footprint. So that's why... I'm so motivated to have us think about this as we're slipping into the um, the holiday consumer season, as it were. Um, I also wanted to say that some of the things like the wreaths that people get, arrangements, flower arrangements, all, there are parts of those that can be also reused. I returned a frame that my local uh, Leo, my favorite uh, flower vendor at the farmer's market, they're able to use those frames. There's nothing edible about that, so there's not a, any kind of a sanitation issue. So these things can go back, and they're going to reuse them. They're going to reuse the the, the cellophane that the, um, they send you back with those flower bouquets. All those things can go back. So, um, And right. we're, we're trying to do it at the farmer's market here in Irvine. We're trying to match the uh, progress made up in, in L, around L.A. County with just using fewer bags. But I digress from the holiday theme. So are, you no, were going to... that's all right. That's, uh, yes. So I'm trying to think of the greeting cards that we all get. Now, there is a, a certainly a, a wonderfully penned message on one side of the card. And on the other side of the card is the graphic that was produced... And that may not have anything on there that's personalized. So you can take that half of the the greeting card and you can use that again, whether you put you write a note on the back of that or you just use that for a, a label for a gift that you're giving somebody. Those greeting cards can keep on living. You are full of excellent ideas. I love all of these. Well, we're just we're just trying to um, help out here in community radio. So, I'm trying to think of any other things that we have uh, left over. Um, I'm also thinking when we're talking about reconsidering our consumerism, there's some sort of more intangible gifts that don't require a single bit of wrapping or production of any kind, and that's just giving tickets to to our uh, dear ones. We know whether it's a a live performance, it's a movie whether it's giving a membership to somebody. Uh, I also like the idea of giving a radio pledge in somebody else's name. So um, those mm-hmm. kinds of things are, um, they keep uh, cultural institutions alive in terrible economic times like this. So there isn't a single bit of waste associated with giving a ticket of something wonderful for somebody to enjoy. Yeah. So, uh, Susan, do you have any idea when I missed that, uh, that uh, the the gift card layer in the landfill? 
Yes. Uh, well, actually, I do not. I was just searching our database, and for some reason, I could not find it. But I might have been doing the search wrong. Um, okay. Well, we're, it we're not going to keep. Been three or four months ago. Oh my gosh! I wonder. Yeah. I wonder what what catastrophe is blasting through my uh, my pile of newspapers, and I decided to. Well, I'm going to look it up though, because uh, or you'll send it to me so we can include that in uh, a reference there. But I know they're very persistent items. We know there's data on some of those cards, but um, not, I don't think, too, not like in a, a, the data that's on a hotel card, um, unless that's an urban myth. So um, I want also for people to think about, oh, I'm, I, my goodness, Susan, I'm keeping you away from the L.A. Times, and I'm keeping listeners away from George Rosales, George Had a Hat. So um, I, do you have one last thing you want to say? Yeah. Oh, well, just stay tuned. There are going to be a few things that I'm writing about having to do with uh, the holidays coming up in our home section, having to do with gift wrap and then the cellophane tape issue that I brought up. And I'm glad you a did. And gift bag is better to use versus gift wrap. And uh, also we're going to start doing some comparison series, such as whether it's better environmentally to be shopping online versus um, shopping at brick and mortar. So those are things that are coming up in uh, the next month. Excellent. I'm so glad to hear about that. Susan Carpenter from the L.A. Times, thank you so much for helping us reconsider what we're tossing, what we're using, what we're shredding, what we're abusing. What I, I want to wish you a happy holiday, and I'm I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to wish you a tchotchke-free holiday to boot. Oh, you are so kind. Thanks back to you. Thank you, and maybe we'll get to make something uh, of it uh, in the, the waste stream reduction sometime next year. Thanks for coming back on Ask a Leader, Susan. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having thank me. You. Bye-bye. Well, I ran over and I apologize. Before I let George Rosales have this, I'm going to um, just want to announce one thing because I know George wouldn't mind if I did. Tonight, 7 o'clock at the Humanities Gateway, room 20, excuse me, room 1030, Tom Hayden is going to be here. He's going to talk on economic democracy and alternative futures. And that, again, is today, November 29th. 7 p.m. at the Humanities Gateway, room 1030, moderated by Rodolfo de Torres. He's there with social ecology, introduced by Alfredo Carlos. Alfredo C. at uci.edu is where you get more details. Thanks for Ask a Leader uh, listening, folks. We'll be bringing, uh, brewing up some craft beer topic and the National Young Farmers Coalition. Talk to you then.